Welcome back to Good Digital, the podcast where we chat with people using digital for good. A lovely big hello to our new and old Good Digital listeners. Thank you for your messages and tweets about the podcast. It's fantastic to hear what you have to say and your ideas for future episodes. Today we have part two of our three-part special with the fundraising platform Just Giving, featuring Jonathan Waddingham. During our chat, Jonathan and I discuss why Just Giving has created new donation and crowdfunding tools for their platform, and how organisations and individuals are using them to raise money for special causes, communities, and individuals that are experiencing crisis or need some extra support. Jonathan, say hello to the Good Digital listeners. Uh, hello, I'm Jonathan Waddingham. I'm a senior product manager here at Just Giving, and I work on our crowdfunding product and also our iPhone application. So, in terms of crowdfunding, what does crowdfunding mean at Just Giving? So, good question. It's at Just Giving crowdfunding um, has a couple of different meanings. The, the thing that I mainly focus on is uh, individual-led crowdfunding, where any individual can create their own crowdfunding page for a good cause that they are passionate about, even if they're not a registered charity. And then the money, they raise as much money as they need, and then we send the money to them, uh, and then they spend the money on the cause that they want to. So this is quite different to charity, so we have another product called Campaigns that allows charities to effectively have their own crowdfunding campaign where people can give money to that campaign and the money goes directly to that registered charity. And what are the ways that you've seen individuals use your crowdfunding product? We have been, I guess, really surprised about the things that people use the product for. I mean, our, our initial idea was that it was uh, going to be a, a tool for communities to, to come together and build things um, for lots of people to enjoy, but actually it's been mostly about helping individuals in need, whether there's individuals who have uh, medical health problems, um, either long-term or, or, um, or, or kind of from accidents. Um, often they're sort of tragic instances where someone has died or paying for funerals or, or supporting a family after someone has died. And then after a disaster where someone's house has been flooded and they didn't have insurance or someone's had an accident abroad. So a lot of it is around giving money to other people who, ha- who have suddenly found themselves in a situation where they need money um, and the community around that person has come together to support them and there's a direct uh, benefit on the person who, who then receives the money. And if you, is there one in particular that stands out for you as being a really striking example of how this has worked? Um, there are quite a few examples. I think... One of the most interesting examples of of why this is important and powerful was uh, last summer during um, the refugee crisis in Calais, where people saw so many refugees end up in there. And there was no, there were no official charities on the ground to help people, and just everyday ordinary people in England were driving over to Calais, giving out supplies and. One um, person who did that set up, shared all of these photos of the conditions which were in, in the camps, which were very bad. Uh, and friends suggested they set up a crowdfunding page. They ended up raising £150,000 and sort of setting up an organisation around Calais for this. Um, but they were one of hundreds of people that just had this idea to 
to galvanize their local community and raise money not always lots of money but you know money that was actually going to have a difference to people who really needed it at, at that time um, and I think that's been a very interesting um, development because those sorts of things are different to charitable giving mm. they're more grassroots they're more spontaneous um, and so it's not necessarily something charities should be worried about there's sort of things that would have happened before they just didn't necessarily have the technology to make them so big and in terms of when they've not worked out so well, what what do you think, if someone's done one and they've not raised the amount of money they would have hoped for, why do you think, what were some of the things that maybe prevented them from not being able to achieve their goals? Um, good question. It's often um, really a problem of storytelling and, and really describing the thing that people are, are trying to do and why someone else um, should give to that. Uh, I think it's very easy if it's uh, if you're giving to a crowdfunding page set up by someone you know who are helping someone else you know there's a very direct impact and so you will well, you, know, you will give to that that doesn't need much explaining if you're already aware of the problem when it's something completely new you really have to raise awareness of like, why is this an issue in the first place um, and also have some sort of community that, that you go out to um, you can't just suddenly create a kind of Facebook community or Twitter community from nowhere and ask them for money. Uh, and even if you already have a community, asking them for money might not necessarily be that successful either. And do you think, uh, the like with charities, where the the trust in that charity makes a difference if people give money, is, is whether the if people trust the person asking for money does that make a difference as well yeah definitely there's, there's got to be trust in the person who set it up but there's also got to be trust in the platform so i mean we do lots of checks on individuals who create crowdfunding pages to make sure um they are who they say they are uh, and and do as much due diligence as as we can on them um but obviously once you give someone the money that's you know they've got the money and they and they sometimes very very rarely they may not spend the money on on what they want to and so that's um in those situations, you know, there's got to be uh, other authorities that get involved to, to help that. But, I mean, that's very rare. I think if a charity is launching something, then, yes, there's, there's a lot more trust. And, obviously, the charity will reach out primarily to people they've already uh, been in contact with and will have a relationship with. Um, so there's already some inherent trust that's been built up over time there. And in terms of, do you see the elements of the individual... Um crowdfunding efforts uh, are there things that charities can take away um, as insights for them to maybe adopt or or adapt for for more um, broader charity fundraising um yeah i'd say there probably are but then the things that make good crowdfunding are the same things that make good fundraising i mean there's i personally there's not really a big difference between the two i mean the really successful crowdfunding campaigns are often individual-led with a kind of clear individual person benefiting. And, you know, that's been a technique that uh, charities have used for years in TV advertising. You focus on one person's story and you tell that story well. Um, you know, there's, there's been lots of studies. People don't kind of can't comprehend numbers above 150. If you say 2 million people are affected, it's too, it's too big. It turns people off. But if you say this one person is effective, this is how you can help. And by helping them, you're helping more people. That's a much more powerful message. And, and that's been true for charities for years and years. It's not crowdfunding that's made that new. Yeah. I do think it's maybe sometimes it's easy to forget 
that though when we get and I think the all the facts and figures are quoted in the referendum campaign mm. you know where it all just went over people's heads and so everyone took what individually what they were taking from yeah definitely. the various campaigns rather than maybe what the um the various campaign camps wanted them to, to yeah. take away from that well I, well I think on one one campaign had a very clear message one campaign didn't and the yeah. campaign that had a clear message whether you like the message or not you yeah. know they, they they won um obviously the, that's probably an oversimplification but it but it certainly helps having yeah. a clear uh, clear message for people to rally around so uh, as an old school campaigner campaigning means something different to me so can you explain what the campaign platform does at um, yes, um, I think it's safe to say we're not great at naming all of our products that kind of intuitively, um, although it's difficult when lots of things are, are kind of similar and, and people out there have different names. Anyway, so our, our campaign's product is a tool for charities to create a separate page on the website where they tell a story about a specific thing that they're doing. Um, and the way that this is different to other crowdfunding websites is that uh, people can donate directly to that campaign, uh, say to you know build a church roof, or um, as uh, um, Doctors of the World did a, a kind of refugee crisis campaign. So you can donate directly to the campaign, or you can also set up your own fundraising page as a supporter and say run the marathon for that campaign, and all the donations you collect will go to that campaign. And then the other thing that's unique to us is that when you set up a campaign page on Just Giving, we can also email out. Um, to the Just Giving community, to people uh, alerting them of, of your campaign if there are people who we think uh, will be interested in that based on our uh, graph network of all the people who've used Just Giving and the work we've done to understand the causes that people like and the personal connections that people have within that, that ecosystem. So um, often uh, uh, a criticism of things like crowdfunding is, you know, or, or any fundraising website is, you know, you put a page up there and, and you expect people to go. And, you know, you say you build it and people, and they will come. That That's, you know, that's true on most other sites. But on, on Just Giving, actually, we will bring the people to you as well. Which is always very, very good as someone who needs to fundraise money for organisations. That's good to hear. So in terms of, um, there's been lots of changes in terms of technology um, over the last few years. And as always, there's um, something that's hyped as like the killer app of the year or the most overhyped thing. What do you think is the killer tech for this year in terms of fundraising? Um, I'd say the killer app is probably still um, not necessarily a new app for this year, but uh, messaging apps are, are becoming more and more um, important in in fundraising. I, well, in fundraising because they're more impor- important in people's everyday lives um i mean we first for example we, we integrated with whatsapp in our, in our ios app in march last year and that was our first test and people started to use it a lot and then we rolled it across uh, out across the, the whole website and, uh, and i've just checked we think it's about two two and 2.3 million now raised by whatsapp and that's a quarter of a million in the last month alone and that is mostly driven by people using our iphone app to then um share that with their friends on, on whatsapp uh and so we're looking at things like that we'll, we'll continue um once we we release an android app as well to kind of help those uh, app app sharing uh, because people are spending so much time in 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 whatsapp um it's it's uh 
it's certainly a place where if you can get the, your message shared by people to their friends, it's an always more powerful way than, than just telling people yourselves. If you can get your supporters to carry your message forward through WhatsApp, through Facebook, through Twitter, wherever, that's always going to be beneficial for an organisation. And I think, yeah, that's come through in a few conversations we've had today. So definitely write that down, listeners, WhatsApp. If you not haven't got plans for it, start making plans. Um, and in terms of what you think is maybe had a bit too much hype and won't deliver, do you think there's any technologies you might say to people to hold off for a bit on looking at or just be a bit cautious with? I think... I mean, not necessarily new. I don't think people massively rave about apps anymore, but um, I'd still say that it, it's, 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 it's hard now, now that I, I work on our, on our apps and I realise how hard it is. I mean, we have to run so fast just to keep still because the ecosystem is changing so quickly or the phones are changing, the operating systems are changing, the software development kits that you build on the phones are all changing. Um, it's really hard and it, it, it needs a lot of support and needs a lot of resource and it costs a lot of money so um yeah unless you've got a really good long-term view on that long-term funding definitely uh, i i would say probably not the best idea but um other technologies i i think really that there's the technologies come and go and there's all these new things you have Snapchat we haven't really mentioned as something that's massively popular and growing and growing and having a ridiculous number of video views um, I think the technology itself any kind of new technology can just be overhyped and really should think about what can uh, the technology do for you uh, how will it help you tell your organisation's story rather than saying oh what we can come we do on Snapchat it's this is our community, you know, our comms plan for and the next cause that's going to help us in raise awareness, whatever. What are the best channels for us to use to get that message across to people? And if that includes Snapchat, great. If it doesn't, you know, don't try and force it in just to kind of try the shiny new toy. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Um, and particularly for, I think, a lot of smaller charities who often have pro bono work offered to them, but end up, the pro bono work ends up costing a lot of money because... It's not something that they're either ready for or is suited to them, but the agency wants to test something on them. I think what you've just said is a really good piece of advice about whatever technology you use, it has to work for you rather than you working for it. Yeah, definitely agree on that front. Yeah. So, Jonathan, have you, um, how have you seen people use crowdfunding to, in different ways? So often crowdfunding is a good way of, of validating a certain idea or a certain appeal um, it's in, in many different forms. What we've seen is sometimes people have set up a page for a particular thing they're doing, they've raised quite a lot of money, um, it's proved that this idea is successful and there's support for it, and then they've actually gone on to register as a charity afterwards to continue that work and kind of become uh, larger. One, in fact, one of our very early... Um, beta testers, I think, was a page for the Promise Foundation, which was helping um, raising money for one mentor in, in London. And they raised so much money that they, they could then actually start a foundation and start to raise enough money to have multiple mentors for multiple young people in London. Um, so really crowdfunding gave them that um, kickstart, to use a, an appropriate phrase, mm -hmm. uh, that proved their idea. And, and then they, they graduated uh, if you like, to becoming a registered charity and then starting to have a bigger and greater impact. 
So in one way, it acts as a way to, to incubate an idea and to, if you were a VC, get angel funding, but the angel funding is actually funding from people who would normally support that campaign or that char- that if it did turn into a charity. Yes, yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a great way to, to, to test something. You know, it's low risk. I think I've even seen, uh, I think Cancer Research UK had a few pages on, on Indiegogo for uh, particular campaigns, I guess. That was a test to see how that worked for them. Um, and, it, and it is a fairly low risk and a low cost way of, of testing something, really. And just and going on that, so that's a really good example of how using crowdfunding is in sort of like a... a to, try new things and use for innovation and incubating how um what would you say um would be the when that hasn't worked what would you say some of the reasons were for that i think often the reason things fail is if they they haven't really thought through a whole campaign and crowdfunding seems kind of easy but the people that are successful Apart from the ones where something gets picked up and then media storm, whatever, and kind of goes viral, like the ones that are the most successful from an organisational perspective, at least, are the ones that have really planned out their um, their campaign and wh- where they're going to get their money from. You kind of need to think like, if your campaign is thirty days long, you should really start planning thirty days before you even hit hit go and understand like what are all the channels you're going to reach people on, how much you expect people to give, and therefore how many people do you really need to give. Um, and like, what are the different channels you're going to ask people to give on? I think the people that do more of that upfront work. Um, I mean, I, I, I help my friends run a, a Kickstarter campaign for their debut album for their band, um, the Old Dirty Brasters. They're brilliant. <laughs> you should follow them on, on Twitter and, and everywhere and listen to their music, go to their gigs. Um, and what we did with them is they looking at all of the different channels they had kind of warm up all those channels before they launch so everyone knew they were going to launch on this day and then as soon as the day they launched they kind of contacted all those people and so on day one you had this like massive response and that just gives you momentum and then you go great that's day one what are we doing on day two what are we doing day three day four day five and plan out all of these activities to make sure you keep uh, the momentum up and you know you have a kind of consistent thread of the story running through it but you want to tell slightly different aspects of that story each day to keep people interested and also then reach out to the people who've given you to given to you in the past make sure they share it with their network so they bring more people on board as well um, so it's definitely uh, organization is uh, in planning is, is a really crucial part of crowdfunding for, for an organization mm-hmm. in, in particular so if you, if you don't you know plan fail to plan you plan to fail right yeah and I think to maybe be ready for success as well so if you reach a goal quickly yeah What's your stretch? What, yeah. What's your stretch? And actually have a stretch planned. And um, a friend of mine, the Angel Comedy Club, which has done an incredibly successful crowdfunding appeal on Kickstarter for their new comedy club, did that so well. Had really good um, uh, rewards for when you did that. So you actually feel part of the community of the club, but then had a really good... Um, stretch goals like which it was like oh wow well yeah I might donate again because I want them to get to that goal or mm. encourages other people who felt like oh I missed out on the reward I wanted oh but now there's another opportunity I think good to plan for success as well as failure and I think sometimes as charities we think about the risks and not yeah. the achievement a little bit so that's yeah write that down to you guys that's <laughs> from me you know but great tip yeah great tip I've just 
big myself up. It's a bit embarrassing. If people want to find out more or um, uh, about the crowdfunding or or the campaign tool, what do they do? Um, you can go to crowdfunding.justgiving.com for, for crowdfunding or if you um, search for Just Giving campaigns, you'll, you'll find all the information uh, you need to know for that. And we'll put those links in the show notes as well so you don't really have to search that far <laughs> if you don't want to type something to a search engine. That's good. That'll save us some money on our pay search. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you, Jonathan. You're welcome. Thanks, Karine. The next episode of Good Digital will be the last in our series with Just Giving. I will be chatting with Andy Mickle, Just Giving's Director of People, on how to nurture and develop a digital mission-based organisation and discuss some of the skills that Just Giving are looking for in their team. A big thank you to Jamie Parkins, Jonathan Wanningham, Andy Mickle and the rest of the team at Just Giving for their time on their comfy sofas. That's it for this episode, but we would love to hear from you. So please get in touch with us on Twitter at Good Digital Info, on Facebook at facebook.com slash gooddigital, or on our website, gooddigital.co. And some extra exciting news. Finally, you can find us properly on iTunes, TuneIn, and Snitch by searching for Good Digital. The Good Digital Podcast is produced and presented by Karina Brisby. Our background music is by CDK and the track is called Lies.